0: Hello and welcome once again to the Troublemakers podcast I'm here with Cara and Rob And we're discussing, I think we've been getting philosophical with a few of our last topics recently We spoke about who is God, the idea of what is the nature of the God that we speak about when we talk about God And today we're essentially asking the question like, what is truth? It's a complex question And really we're just kind of touching on like objective versus subjective truth and so I'm going to kick it to Car to kind of set up, because this was a topic that she brought up, which I'm, I'm assuming was integral in your spiritual development to where you are now.
1: It was. And, you know, I, I can only give like my opinion yeah, about yeah. truth. <laughs> um, and so this is, you know, take it with a grain of salt, I guess. But I think that when I think about because I think for a time I was more on the side of there not being an objective truth and Mm. and truth being relative. Um, However, I think if you are someone who leans toward the side of like things being relative, I think you have to, Consider the po- it's because for me relativity is about considering possibilities right mm. and so I think if you're considering possibilities, you have to consider the possibility that there is an objective truth that objective truth does' exist and so where I've landed is that I believe that there are objective or universal truths that are always true for all people at all times without excuse. Because for mm-hmm. me, that's what an objective you know, universal truth is. In order for, for it to be both objective and universal, it has to be applicable at all times to all people. Mm-hmm. Um, and there can't be any exceptions to that, in my opinion. And so I think that there are things that you can say fall into that, but I think it's an extremely short list. And I think that the things on that list are pretty broad because they have to be in order to encompass everyone who's ever existed, because that's billions and billions of people all existing at different times during Earth's history. Um, and I think anything outside of what is, always applicable to everyone um, is going to be subject to some level of relativity. Mm. Um, And, and I do think that there's a spectrum, you know, and I do think that um, there are things that are maybe subject to more possibilities Mm -hmm. than are other things. Um, But I think that on an individual basis, because we're all limited, I think that when we're thinking about truth, I think that there has to be some acknowledgement of the fact that there are always going to be any number of things that exist beyond the realm of our limitations, right? So like, I'm a woman, for example, I can never be a man. Like biologically, I'm a woman. I have lived my life for 30 years as a woman. I'm not, you know, transgender or anything like that. So, you know, I'm not speaking for them, but for myself, I have always been a cisgendered, heterosexual woman. I have never lived in any other body. And my experiences, therefore, are always going to be limited to that of the space and time that I have lived in. And to call anything that, is a part of that experience, objective, just because it may have always been true for me. I feel like, you know, it, I just, I don't necessarily wanna use the word arrogant, but I feel like it's a little bit arrogant um, because I'm limited. And I think it's okay to be limited. I think it's okay to acknowledge that I'm limited um, and to say that, you know, as much as I believe certain things to be true and I may live my life um, in reliance on those beliefs, um, I understand that there are people who live life outside of the boundaries that I live my life in and everything that is applicable to me may not be applicable to that person. And I think part of allowing God to be God is letting God deal with that. Mm. and not
0: yeah, I get that. trying
1: to play God in, you know, projecting my experiences and my beliefs onto other people because, you know, I don't know, I'm not living the world and living life through their shoes. I'm not viewing the world through the same lens that they are in the lens of their perspective and experiences and whatever else. And I can't, yeah like, I can empathize, I can imagine, but I cannot walk a day, an hour, a second, in anybody else's shoes, but my own. And so I think when we're thinking about truth, because I can't, I don't feel like I'm positioned to decide what is or is not true for anybody else. But I think when we're thinking about truth, um, it's just really important to be cognizant of those limitations and to be okay with learning to be okay with the existence of those limitations, if that makes sense, because I see a lot of people, you know, trying to like, quote, unquote, prove <laughs> that certain things are, are not true. And it's like, you, you can't really do that definitively. And that's okay. Like how we were talking about with God, it's okay that you can't like quote unquote prove that God exists. Like if God wanted to prove that God could come down right now and remove all doubt <laughs> you know like it's not even yours to prove or disprove you know it's, it's some things it just has to be enough that you believe it and I think that in understanding that you know it just has to be enough that I believe it it allows you to have compassion and empathy for someone else maybe landing mm-hmm. somewhere else and not feeling threatened by that
0: that may be
2: yeah. <laughs> question, um, go ahead, go ahead, Rob. Like isn't this is just like me playing like devil's advocate or whatever, just kind of bothering you a uh, question. Um <laughs> Isn't like not believing that my truth is the objective reality isn't that like a lack of faith though? Say that again. Like you know i i've seen so many people like they're they're they feel very strongly that their belief system is the objective reality of the universe and i i think they correlate not believing that as a lack of faith you know that if, if i truly believe this is like what i believe then yeah this like of course my view of reality is everyone's reality
1: mm-hmm. yes so I actually think that that's the opposite of faith. <laughs> um, and so hear me out. So faith is a substance of thing. If we're going by just the biblical definition, faith is a substance of things, hoped for the evidence of things not seen. And I don't remember exactly where it is, but there's um, a passage of scripture that talks about hope. You can't hope for something that you already have. And so, by not receiving it right away, it, that by not receiving something right away, that is what facilitates hope. And we learn perseverance through pressing forward in our hope of something that's going to, of, of receiving, ultimately receiving whatever it is that we are looking forward to receiving. Um, and so when I think about, you know, like First Corinthians 13, and it says now about these three faith, hope, and love, um, I think that these things kind of all intertwine. And I think when you think about faith and hope specifically, they are more intangible concepts than is love. I think love is the practical application of faith and hope. It's, it's faith and hope actualized and, and making it tangible. Um, but I think the whole purpose of faith and hope are for there to, or is for there to be some level of intangibility. Hmm. And I think that it's not, I think it's not really faith if you need something intangible to be a fact and an objective, how am I trying to say this? Um, Yeah, I think it's, I think it's not faith if you need something that is inherently intangible to be tangible in order for it to be worth believing in, if that makes sense. Because faith does not turn the, faith in itself does not make something that is intangible, tangible, right? Like the fact that I believe that God exists does not somehow make it a necessary fact that God exists you know, the, the fact that I believe it to be true doesn't change reality, right? And so like, I can believe that I'm a butterfly, but that doesn't, you know, somehow change me into a butterfly. Um, the belief in itself does not somehow change me into a butterfly. And so um, I think that when it, when we're talking about things that are intangible, something like God or or spirituality um, or, or f- faith for faith's sake, um, I think that real faith is making peace with the fact that these things are intangible and that's okay. It's worth believing in, even though I haven't, you know, realized the fruit of my faith just yet. Like when we look at Hebrews 11, it's it's talking about all of these people who had, it's like they, it was a count, they they following whatever it was that God instructed them to do was accounted to them as faith, even though they may not have necessarily lived to see that faith actualized. So if you think about Abraham and being told that he's the father of many nations, but he didn't live to see himself, you know, be the father of many nations. Or you think about Moses, he, you know, led the people of Israel to the promised land, but then was not able to cross over into the promised land with them. Um, or you think about a Samson, you know, he he died, you know, in the process of killing 3000 Philistines and was not able to, to live in, um, you know the the Israel that was that existed post his you know amazing feat, and so um, and there's you know tons of stories like that in the Bible and and so I I'm hoping that that answers your question but yeah I think that um, a faith that is secure and strong is a faith that finds value in believing even though there's a possibility that you may not ever see the full fruit of that faith and being okay with that because the blessing is in believing. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, and it's the evidence of things not seen. Hmm. I hope that makes sense.
2: No, I think it does. What do you think, Rob? Yeah, I mean, I, I concur. I agree. Oh, <laughs> I think yeah, like I've often experienced, like people, if I tell someone where I'm at spiritually, mm-hmm. they're often like, like, "Oh, you're confused," or "Oh, you're not grounded," or like because I'm, I, you know, because I'm still experiencing or making a decision, they they view it as like. I'm, I'm lacking somehow, and they think because they've settled on something, that means that they're, like, right, <laughs> grounded, right. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I'm like, that's an interesting correlation to make, that like, <laughs> you know, yeah, just because I'm in between opinions, or like, I'm unsettled on an answer, that that somehow speaks to, like, um, my, my groundedness, you know, um, and so when we're talking about truth as i ha- i know like i i i must know i have yeah. to know everything <laughs> like i was talking and i hope man she may hear this one day but i was talking with a friend and like i forget we were talking about ufos right and the conversation frustrated her so much because the ufos interest me like not to a extreme odd extent but like I've been following, like, the whole Pentagon release of, like, the right. UFOs. Like, I know it. You know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> you know? Uh, and I was talking with her, like, you know, asked, like, what does she think? And she responded, like, oh, no, none of that exists. She's like, yeah, no, that's just, like, conspiracy. Like, I was like, so you don't think there's any other life in the universe? And she's like, no. She's like, the Bible only talks about angels and humans and oh, animals. Wow. Like, that. that's it there's nothing i was like, oh, mm. so you, think, like <laughs> do you think there's just an empty like this chasm of space just infinitely big like and it was just like wow you know um but for her that is her from her perspective right mm-hmm. that is like the universal truth you know that like yeah absolutely because like that's what that's what the book says and so it just shows how um our reality is so pliable by what we understand and it's something that i often say i don't even know if i got it from somewhere if i made it up myself i don't know So i've been saying it for a couple of years that we serve the god of our understanding you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. and we, we live the reality of our understanding like absolutely you are you are in a uh, community cultural uh familial and at some t- sometimes individual box, yo. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. self-prescribed box, depending on how much you know, how much you understand. You know, um... And so, sometimes, like, I don't know, like, sometimes I just dislike how doubt is viewed, you know? As if if doubting Thomas wasn't, like, a legitimate um... (laughs) Apostle, you know what I'm saying? Like, like yeah. he's in there, like, thank God for doubting Thomas, yo. You know what I'm <laughs> saying? But like, Lord have mercy. The people will be so judgmental, like they will feel so like, you know, uh, yeah. it, you know, justified in like sort of lording their positions over everyone. So I, I agree. In general, like I don't I, I do believe that there is a objective truth right mm-hmm. but but I understand I don't have access to it
1: right, <laughs> you know <what> <laughs> right. Yeah.
2: I, I don't have access to it you know um I have relative tr- I have my truth that's mm-hmm. all I got that's all I right. got and I can I can listen to your truth and I can consider it and say mm, maybe I'll make some additions to my truth but right like the objective reality of the universe is outside our grasp and I think I talked about it in the previous podcast that idea mm-hmm. of Einstein like you can't step outside creation. The, the only way to view an objective reality would be to step outside of the universe absolutely. and examine it, which is yes. impossible. And you're going absolutely to do that while being right. stuck inside it. You know. Yeah, uh,
1: and I was gonna say like I was gonna add that like you have to even even assuming that there is an objective truth, mm-hmm. I think we have to assume that it's completely beyond our grasp and will always be completely beyond our grasp. Like you would have to be God. <laughs> to be able to fully comprehend it. And and so no matter how much you know, there's always going to be some element of making peace with the fact that there are always going to be things beyond your experience, perception, comprehension, even if it's just mm-hmm. one thing. Mm-hmm. Like, you, like you can live forever. You can live for the rest of eternity. <laughs> and there's always going to be things that are beyond our comprehension because we're not God.
0: Right. And to me, that... I feel like that should be an exciting concept. You know, like even if you look at it as, I really liked the way you phrased it as universal truths rather than just objective truths. Like there are some universal truths and I agree with you and it's probably a very short list. Maybe Mm -hmm. there's like six of them, Mm -hmm. but for all of humanity to only be understanding degrees of those truths progressively from generation to generation, to me, that's exciting. Like to me, it's the same Mm -hmm. idea of just like how we are able to write truly thousands and millions of stories about the same topic, which is love. You know what I'm saying? Like almost every Mm. single story is a love story and it's trying to show another side of it, another way of like, well now this is how love here and now this is love here. And none of us are gonna fully define whatever the, the, the complete picture of that truth of love is. We all get to experience short parts of it. And to me, I feel like it should be exciting but instead, it becomes terrifying because <laughs> w- as sinful beings, you know what I'm saying? It's like, for one, we kind of want to lord over our whatever our perspective is over other people. You know, there's some mm-hmm. part of us that like self-righteousness doesn't work if I don't have a list to check against mm-hmm. your list. Right. You know, what I'm saying? I can't feel good about myself. But I'm like, I, I know more than you and see the things that I know. And I also think that we feel more in control if we can handle all the, what whatever is truth. Like mm-hmm. when I was back in my super pharisaical days, you know, I felt very much in control and very much like, no, I know all of it. Like I remember there was a, a, a period, wasn't very long, but when I was first kind of coming to Oakwood where I was like, I mean, what do they have to teach me? Like I've learned <laughs> everything. <laughs> like I've done the revelation seminars. Like what what can be more to be learned in the Bible? <laughs> You know, and it felt I felt very confident and in control and judgmental of other people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I believe that humility brings freedom to, mm-hmm. to, to humble ourselves to say that I don't know everything. I don't have it all. To me, that's exciting. To me, 100%. that's
2: fun. And I wonder you know, er- even oh, like, it, I, I think, yes, there's like a humility aspect to it as well. But we have to acknowledge that Duda's. I don't know if it's, you know, colonization or whatever, or like particular denominations or what have you. But this idea of like believing. Right. And being right is tied to e- sometimes eternal hellfire, if not Absolutely. just hellfire. That's right. You know what I'm saying? And so whew, what a thing you better get right. You know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> like, is- you can go through hell and life and then wake up from death and then fry again. <laughs> because you, you
1: picked the wrong facts. Right. And fry forever, not just again. God like, is going to keep you alive.
2: No, it's not in a lake. You eternally. In a lake, a <laughs> lake, a lake, though? A lake of fire? What does that <laughs> even mean? Like, <laughs> is it like a waterfall of fire? <laughs> How long do you burn in that joint? Is it quick? Right. Uh, yo, like, it's just, right. you know, it's, it's not even going to burn your body. You're basically, it's, just, it's like burning your soul. Like, it's, just, right. <laughs> it's, so, it's so much pressure. And so I get it, right? right? Like, I understand yeah. the pressure to be right.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Leah was saying earlier today that religion or like, I guess, traditional institutions, if whatever you want to call it, um, they do not facilitate a spirit of curiosity. They facilitate Mm -hmm. a spirit of rightness. And I think a part of that is because these ideologies are inherently limited, right? And so they're, they're exhaustive. And so there is, there is like, and I think that that's why you have all these different denominations, right? Even though the differences are so, are really minute in a lot of ways. Um, It's an exhaustive exposition of what this group of people has decided is absolute truth. Mm -hmm. And once you know that, And there isn't the idea is that there isn't really anything else to know or consider because this is right. This is absolute. This is objective. And anything that conflicts with that or challenges that is automatically gonna be wrong. Mm -hmm. And you know, so I feel like that's I think it's facilitating a spirit of rightness, but that's where the comfort or the or the security is and you're grounded in your grasp of this thing that is inherent, inherently limited. And so you can't even really afford to expand your consciousness beyond that Mm. because this is what you're grounded in. And, and the question becomes, and this is why I think people are worried about Rob, right. When they say like, you're not grounded in anything, because it's like, if you're not grounded in this limb, in this box, what are you grounded in? Mm. And, and that's why I say, you know, like I don't know how much of religion really is about God, or Jesus and really being grounded in infinity, yeah. right? Because if you're grounded in infinity, then you have to accept the limitations, your own limitations in the context of that. You have to accept that there's pretty much everything that's beyond <laughs> your control. And you have to accept that there's no there's no possible way to have an exhaustive understanding and you're going to get it wrong. Mm-hmm. You're going to make mistakes. Really... You're going to be journeying forever and evolving and learning and growing. And you have to trust. You have to actually trust. You have to actually in practice, have faith that God really does love you and really does have your back and really does understand the reality of being human and knowing that God created us, God supposedly created us and put us in this situation. And he did it for a reason. And he's not going to leave us to fend for ourselves and all of this. He's begun a good work in us and he's going to see it to its completion. And maybe that completion, you know, for me is getting to a place where I am perfectly at peace Mm. with having zero control. (laughs) <laughs> perfectly at peace with god being god and me fitting in wherever i can get in in all of that and and i don't know that traditional spaces are designed are designed to facilitate that kind of faith because at that point it's not it's not theoretical anymore you're you're actually relying on god to be god and that takes control completely out of your hands, and that's scary. Mm-hmm.
2: And, and, and if I could take it a step a step further, I take think, it. Like, <laughs> like we don't really acknowledge how much of our believed reality is based on absolute frivolous evidence. Frivolous. Frivolous. Let me tell Frail. you, yo, my only actual tangible for Robert belief in God based in any kind of like subjective even fact right for me is on one experience that I had this one day in my room didn't give me a name he Didn't say, hey, this. I'm here on behalf of this religion, <laughs> like in this denomination. Like none of that. He, he didn't say, hey, I just want you to know, like, seventy five percent of the Bible is true. The rest of this charge, like, he didn't say. It, it, didn't, it didn't. even say. It didn't say it was a he. It didn't say. It didn't say it was a woman. It like it. It just did something. And I said, oh, I think that's God. And like, I think so many people have experiences like that, and they plaster onto it a whole view of reality. <laughs> like, like, yeah, this book has all the answers. Like, like, absolutely, this is exactly what took place. Like, this is 100%. Like, so much so that when people talk, when people make evidences for, like, when they study, um, what do you call it? Apologetics, right? When people study apologetics, they take the arguments for a belief in God as if they're validating a belief in Jesus and, or, or the Judaic God and it mm-hmm. blows my mind i'd be like mm-hmm. you understand right that this is just a general argument for a belief in a god not your god not your god you know and so like, like people would be like see like this is such and such proof that god exists and so duh jesus and it's like no you made no <laughs> huge leap you just made <laughs> like no jesus like yeah we have some historical references or whatever that some dude like a pretty much was sort of like Jesus, something like that, existed. But everything we got about him is pure. You're taking on pure faith, yo. You know pure I mean? faith.
1: Because none <laughs> of us were there.
2: Accurate, yeah. And, and not only that, but astronomical faith. Because you're believing that, <laughs> you know, he <laughs> walked on water. He was healing the sick. He was casting out demons. He was dipping through crowds. Of and shit.
1: this is literal fact. It's not allegory. It's not hyperbolic this is literal fact that actual actually happened and there's no doubt whatsoever in in
2: every other every single other uh religious narrative on the planet is a myth except for yours like I'd be dying when I hear Christians be like like uh, they say something like, oh, "You really believe that like uh, Muhammad was in the mountain and and God just like t- he didn't even know how to read and then he wrote the whole Quran or like you actually believe that there's like four hundred thousand gods somewhere like huh. you be like yo you believe that a man is one day gonna come out of the clouds riding a horse to to take you up into a mythical land, yo." Like, like and it's like i'm not knocking it because i hope it's true
1: like, right right but like, you also recognize comes. the limitations yeah. of that I hope like
2: i'm hoping me away please please oh god please take us to be honest i think christianity has the best afterlife story that i've heard so far you know what i'm saying it sounds pretty dope okay I've even embellished a little bit. I think I'm going to join, like, the celestial army with a bunch of other creatures that I don't know, and we're going to go throughout the planet saving stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's my... After I spend some time in heaven, I'm ghost, y'all. I'm joining... I'm being a heavenly marine. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, I'm with it, but, like, I also understand how insane that could potentially sound to someone, right, who does not believe how I believe, you know? And I think it's so important that we have respect for each other's viewpoints and understand our limitations. And I'll tell this story, and I'll relinquish the microphone for a little while, right? So I am having a, deb- not even a debate, what I thought was a conversation with a young lady on Facebook. And it's about African spirituality. spirituality. Usually, I don't even jump in those conversations anymore, because it, if a person, either a person is ignorant, and they don't want to know anything, or like, you know, they're ignorant and curious, right? And like open and positive. Or they think they know something and it's positive or they think they know something and it's supremely negative, right? Those are pretty much the, you know, four areas anyone's going to fall in. I fall into those, generally speaking, right? And so I'm talking with this young lady and she's like, oh, no, like, firstly, I'm from Nigeria, right? Like, so appeal to authority. Like, I'm from Nigeria, right? My, my uncle was a – I descend from royalty in Nigeria. Like, my uncle was a king and, like, I have firsthand experience that this is – devil worship this is demon worship and i don't want anything to do with it da, da, da. i'm like okay i respect your opinion right and now i'm i'm like this is this is like you know i'm not a, a priest in any of these systems or anything like that but this is a little bit of my bag and so i'm like okay well, let's see like you know because i'm very accustomed to like africans from the continent or haitians from haiti thinking they have an authority on african spirituality it's like you don't <laughs> you absolutely don't you just don't i'm sorry like i acknowledge your experience and i would love to hear about it right but you don't, and so she begins to tell me how her, her I think her uncle or somebody like that, great great grandfather, something was like a king during this time period, and da da, da 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 Turns out, I actually read about her uncle, so I was like, huh, this is interesting. And so I was like, yo, but here's the thing: like you're saying that the spirituality practice during that time period was devil worship, and it's like I agree, yo, like human sacrifice is is a part of many different religions across the planet. Like, it's not, it's not, um, you know, isolated to any particular place. You know what I'm saying? So she was saying, like, oh, don't you know that they were, like, when a king died, they would kill his servants to serve him in the afterlife. And sometimes they would do human sacrifice. And I was like, yes, like, that happened, but very rarely, yo. You know what I'm saying? I was like, you have to understand that, like, African spiritual religions, especially in Western Central Africa, began to morph, throughout the slave trade to become darker and darker and darker and darker because you have this like super oppressive force snatching bodies off the continent. And so you're, you're viewing, you're viewing this invading force coming in that is dealing in blood and bodies. Right. And so you think that their God who must be stronger than yours because, or else like, how are they getting this much power is appealed to by blood and bodies. Right. And so s- human sacrifice began to spike in Western Central Africa during the height of the slave trade. And I was like, sis, the uncle that you're, you're using to like place your authority, the reason he became king is because he sided with the British and he was like a notorious slaver. Like he made his wealth selling bodies. You don't think his spirituality is going to be extremely dark? like what kind of spirituality do you think people practice who engage in that type of bloodshed yo you know what i'm saying like and and so but for her it was just like any associate her her reality was so ingrained based upon her lived experience and her family and her connection her closeness to the land and all of that To so for her to even get a whiff that I might be interested in African spirituality. I was like, oh, you're lost. That was her conclusion, and and then, you're you're just lost, and I was just like, oh, wow, you know, um, but it's like, (sighs) there's so many factors that go into our perceptions, you know, of, like, what's true, and what's right, and what's correct, and, like, I'm listening to her depiction of African spirituality as evil, because it became wicked during wicked times, but there's this vindication of Christianity, even though throughout most of its history, it's been absolutely represented as wicked, wicked. You know, um, and so I'll say this last thing, you know, um, I'm sitting down and I'm juxtaposing this, her experience, right, which I grew up with, um, hearing stories from my Haitian brethren and sister about all kinds of things happening in Haiti that's super dark and all that. But I went to go sit with, any number of babbalows and priests and priestesses and they're like so normal (laughs) and none of them would ever sacrifice a human and it's just like it like if you were to say it to them they will look at you like what is wrong with you like what like sacrifice a human like like no like <laughs> no, but are there people who deal in like darker sides of it? Absolutely. You know, just like there are people who deal in darker sides of um Christianity. And but one of the very, very interesting things that happened was I was sitting down with them and they were they started having a conversation and saying stuff. They started talking about like gargoyles and leprechauns and like dragons. Like it was real. And I was like, yo, wait, 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 wait. Like, hold up. Y'all believe. And gargoyles because i'm all th- thinking is the tv show as a kid right i'm like yo don't show but like y'all believe in gargoyles and they're like their position basically is we do not it's not even a matter of believing and disbelieving but like we we create space for every culture's view of reality we think that all of them can exist at the same time that there can be leprechauns and there can be gargoyles or dragons, like in ch- Chinese lore, or and there can be there can be Shango, and there can be Thor, there can be Jesus, and there can be um, Muhammad. There can be like like all of it can exist within this very very broad universe. And so they essentially see reality as diverse, even more diverse as the planet when it comes to creatures. Think, think bugs, amphibians, birds, mammals, like um, plant life. They view the universe and they see like as above, so below and so below as above. Right. And so they look at the diversity on the planet as the reality of the universe, that the universe must be just as diverse. You know, um, and so I thought that I thought that it, it, it expanded my mind in a way that says I don't have to believe much but i can make room for a bunch of possibilities and yo my inner reality became so much richer after that you know like yeah so i don't know just just a thought what do you guys think about that
1: i agree 100% with the uh, uh, leaving room because i mean <laughs> it's it's what you said like and what they were the people you were with were saying like there's no way To know for sure. And you have all of these people, like for me, I believe that God, if they're assuming there is a God, I believe that God is infinite and I don't see the purpose. I don't see the point in believing in a God that is less than infinite. And so for me, because infinity denotes or requires, implies, whatever you want to say, an infinite number of possibilities. And if God is existing in the realm of infinity or or God is infinity and everything else is existing in God. Um, I think it makes sense that if nothing else, there's gonna be a diversity of experiences and perspectives and how we articulate that diversity is obviously going to look different. Like let's say, you know, Jesus is Jesus. Let's say that there is a Jesus and maybe there's only one prophet, whatever. But I think most major world religions have some sort of Messiah, you know? And, you know, I think... certain Christian denominations talk about like different people being like a type of Jesus or a type of different, you know, people who existed. And so you have some sort of like Messiah or anointed figure within most world religions. There, those all may just be like a type of Jesus, you know, like let's say even, even because I'm saying like, even if we're assuming that there is one, one objective truth and this thing, like Jesus, for example, is that one objective truth. Like, let's assume that that's correct. There can still be a million different ways of getting to that one truth because you have billions of people trying to get to this one place all coming from billions of different places. And so, I mean, like... For me, it's like, even if I'm saying all that to say, even if we assume that certain things are true and we're relying on them to be true, you still have to run the logic through to its natural end. And that requires you to accept, if nothing else, the possibility of realities that don't necessarily conflict with what you understand as truth, but also are approaching it from a completely different perspective. And that doesn't change what's happening in front of you. Just because you two people are viewing something differently doesn't mean that what's actually happening changes. And, and so for me, like there's this, I think that there's, I'm, I'm where Rob is myself, but I also think that even if you're not there, and maybe that sounds too far out of left field or whatever else, like I get that. But even if you're you know, s- not able to go that far, there's still possibilities that exist outside of the realm of like mainstream considerations, even if we're assuming that a lot of what you believe is true. And f- faith, I think faith meets reality when you're able to accept the fact that these other perspectives exist and being okay with that, learning to be okay with that and not feel threatened by it, if that makes sense.
0: No, that absolutely makes makes sense. And I feel like as we go through this conversation, my mind keeps going to the example, I believe it's Romans 14, I wanna say, of um, where Paul is kind of writing to the Romans and he kind of breaks down this idea of like you know for some people eating foods offered up to idols is okay but for the weaker person it's not okay and I I, I used to again in my Pharisee days I couldn't I used to want to just throw away most of Paul's writings but that was one part I specifically I was like what is he talking about like first of all, food's office the idols must be evil. Like already, I'm I'm already in a certain camp. But as I grappled with it over the years, just the idea of him speaking to the same group of people, and he's like, y'all are just going to be in different places regardless. And the place that you are is good for you, and the place that that other person is is good for you. But the interesting thing was always that he's like the person who can eat and it not matter at all is the person with more freedom and liberty. That's the person who has either grown to a place or is in a space of understanding that doesn't, it's just less restrictive, you know? And I I feel like that's kind of what we're really describing here. It's like for some, yeah, like for their peace of mind, truth has to be very defined and very specific, at least for wherever they are in that current moment in life. And I think that's okay. You know what I'm saying? And it's not to be condescending, but it's almost like that's how life has to be for kids sometimes. Sometimes kids just have to only be told so much just so that they can feel safe and get through the day or through that phase of life. You know, like I remember, this is a silly example, but it's one that really set out to me. I remember distinctly learning math in kindergarten and the teacher telling me that there are no numbers beneath zero. And she was just, she she kept saying, she's like, and there's no numbers, like that's, so there's no numbers. And then I remember learning about negative numbers. And I was like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> y'all have been lying to me all this time, but really, and the, the same teacher had to break it down. She's like, no, I wasn't lying to you. It's just, it would have confused you so much more to think about the numbers beneath zero. So you could only know that these were numbers and then we could teach you the other side of it. I think that's kind of the walk that, of humanity. And again, I think it's a beautiful and fun thing to me to feel like, So right now in my mind, I'm like, um, you know, life and existence can only happen in this, in these ways. So I can only as a human walk the earth. There's no way for me to, with my own body, take flight. I would love to be wrong about that one day. I would absolutely love to find out like, wait a second, you mean I can fly too? And it's like, yeah, you only had to, until you were 110, we had to tell you that. But now we're gonna show you how to actually fly with those same legs that you've been using for walking. I feel like that is the positive way that this can be looked at. Just this idea of, it's not even necessarily that there's subjective truth and objective truth. It's just this truth for where you are right now. And there may be more truth, deeper truth for where you get to one day. Thank you so much for joining us again for this conversation around truth. I feel like a topic like this is always going to be complex and have so many layers and I really just love hearing the perspectives of cara and, and Rob and even getting a chance to share some of my own um which in this is really just a part one of a conversation that tends to be the case. We sit down to record and we think like okay, this is going to be one episode, but the conversation just it's so much and goes into it's just delicious, it's juicy. It's just so many direction that we're like all right let's split it up over um two weeks um so at least two parts so definitely the second part of this conversation will be released two weeks from now But in that time period, I really want to hear from you all. I want to hear your thoughts and your perspectives. Please either reach out to me or comment wherever you see this this posted. You know, we, we definitely want to engage and hear insight and perspective from a lot of different voices for a topic and subject like this. But that's all from us today. Thank you for joining the Troublemakers one more time. Please be sure to like, subscribe, and share this with whoever you think would benefit.